Welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Faith, Fitness, and Freedom podcast, and I'm your host, Rebecca Taber-Contreras. And today, I want to talk with you about the arena and the reminder that when you are on your journey of becoming the next best version of yourself in any aspect of life, there is going to be critics, there's going to be pushback, there's going to be resistance, and The goal of this episode is to give you encouragement to keep fighting in the arena, to do it with courage, to do it with tenacity, to learn who to allow instruction in your life or what voices are, I want to say, valid as points of instruction and wisdom in your life and in addition to God's word. And who just does not get a say, but also being able to understand that you can't eliminate the critics. You never will eliminate the critics, the pushback, the resistance. And so how do you have empathy for those people? Because we are called to as believers and also not take the words or the actions personally. So we're also going to, uh, I also want to talk with you about this from the perspective of I believe that there's multiple arenas and that's a point of reference that is important because in the Theodore Roosevelt quote, if you're not familiar with it, it's a quote about the arena and the arena refers to the gladiator arena. Most of us have seen the movie gladiator where, um, and, or, you know, picture just history of these Greek events where they would put a warrior in an arena either to fight among each other or sometimes with animals. It really is a barbaric, uh, you know, sport, if you will, back then. The analogy, however, and point of Theodore Roosevelt is that if that person is not in the arena with you, if they are in the stands, if they are spectators, if they're not choosing the same level of courage, discipline, fight, and focus as you are, they don't get a voice. The spectators, the peanut gallery, the front row seats don't get a voice, right? And in that, you get to look at a new perspective. Brene Brown uses the quote often or references the quote I maybe not often, but I believe she might be the first that had brought it to my attention and or really kind of gave a new perspective on it. And specifically, I'll share the example because it's a great analogy and understanding the validity of the arena and who has a voice and who doesn't in your life. For Brene Brown, when this was her original experience with it was, you know, years ago, and I believe it was after her first TED Talk, but she did a TED Talk where she ended up changing her, what she was going to talk on at the last minute, and she felt really led to talk about vulnerability specifically, and it was a very vulnerable talk for her. She shared very personal things. She thought that it was only going to be local, and the TED Talk people decided that it was a great talk and decided to put it up on YouTube. Brene Brown explains that she knew better than to look at comments, and yet she felt compelled to look at them. And there were many that were just really harsh, commenting on her physical appearance, the way she was talking, commenting despairingly on things that didn't even have anything to do with the conversation itself. And in a moment of trying to regroup, she came across this 
quote by Theodore Roosevelt about the arena, talking about the fact that people that are not in the fight with you, the people that are not doing the work that you're doing, the people that are not choosing the discipline, the courage, all the things that require to be in the arena, they do not get to have a voice, right? And they do not get to have an opinion. They don't, they don't, they haven't earned the right to, to have an opinion or to be a voice in your life, right? And taking this a step further, I have come to realize that we have multiple arenas in our life. So I'm going to break that down for you because when you are working on becoming the next best version of yourself in any aspect of life, especially as believers, we are called to be set apart. We are uncommon. The way we think, the way we act, the way we believe, it's not common, right? And I'm going to break it down and give you analogies both for spiritually, relationally, physically, and in business so that hopefully whatever aspect of life you're working on or whatever aspect you are kind of most set apart in in this moment that you find encouragement in this and an understanding of how you might look different and how that might be exactly where you're supposed to be. So let's talk about our faith walk first. I believe that when we are in, it's not right or wrong, it's just where we're at in our walk, right? And we are to be careful to not compare or judge somebody else and where their walk is. I will tell you that the more time you have invested in God's word, the more time you have spent seeking his will, his character, practicing being in his presence, practicing your ability to be get clear and hear from him and know his ways and know what he wants for you, the more that might look different to other people that maybe aren't in that same place in their journey. And for example, you might be called to maybe you're disciplined in your daily quiet time with God. You That's a priority to you. And there's seasons too. It doesn't mean that you're not you know, far in your journey if you aren't doing this, but maybe you are called in, in your specific journey now or the place that you're at right now, you spend time in God's word on it every single morning. And that's a non-negotiable for you. You get up early, you make the time, you're in his word, you're in journaling, you're praying, you, you've got your quiet time. And so for that reason, perhaps you choose to go to bed early and at the same time, and you're disciplined about that. That might be different than somebody else right? And they, somebody else may not understand that. And or they might say, must be nice, right? Sometimes it's not intentional. Sometimes it even comes from well-meaning people, but they're either trying to figure it out and or justify where they're at or where they're not at and or they're just their own frustration. So you might hear something along the lines of, well, yeah, it must be nice to have that time to be able to get up and do those things, right? And you're thinking like, no, I, I choose. I am determined, and I will use myself as an example, at this point in my walk and in this season, and it has been this way for quite some time, I'm at a place where I don't feel like I can get through a day knowing I did what God wanted me to do if I don't connect with him first. I feel like my morning quiet time is my time to connect with him, to regroup, and to renew my heart and mind, like he says in his word, 
because I've got another, you know, 20 or at least 16 hours or whatever it is of waking hours where the worldviews are going to be impressed upon me. The worldviews are going to be all over me, regardless of how much I protect my headspace. It's still there. And what, and Therefore, renewing my mind each morning and connecting with him and asking God each morning, what is it that you want me to do, right? I have the long-term vision. I have the long-term plan. I have um, you know, the way I execute it on a daily basis, but I still get to check in with him every day because one, it connects me with him. It makes me mindful of his presence. And two, maybe something has changed, and or maybe there's something that he wants me to notice from the day before or he wants me to be open and receptive and kind of primed to notice somebody that I'm going to run into later today or reach out to somebody that maybe needs to hear from me. Maybe he needs to use me in some way today that I wasn't expecting. And I don't know that if I don't connect with him first thing in the morning, right? And Lord knows I need my daily dose of patience and grace and kindness and all of those things. And I get that with my daily time. For someone else, they might be in a season where they are like there you have young kids maybe as an example that I'm thinking of. And so, you know, if you're already getting up at five because you've got a child that's not on a schedule, whether it's a newborn or maybe it's a child with special needs or whatever the case may be, it like telling you to get up 30 minutes early so you can have that time with God isn't necessarily your for your highest good because sleep is for your highest good right and so it's it's dependent on where you're at so unless somebody is in that season with you it's not for them like to criticize or judge or kind of make offhanded comments about how you choose to live how you choose to manage your spiritual life Maybe you are, you know, spend, maybe you um, enjoy a full day of Sabbath. Maybe that's Saturdays, maybe that's Sundays, right? Whatever that is. And people might have comments about that. Like, you mean you can't do anything or whatever. It, it's not for them because they're not in that specific arena with you. Make sense? And relationally, right? I talked about this a little bit on the marriage podcast, but relationally, somebody that is, um, you know, not married, isn't in the arena with you of marriage. And therefore, if they're not married, they don't really have the weight. That's not who you go to um, for mentorship. And that's definitely not somebody that you would take their criticism or their feedback or whatever it might be in how your manages, how your marriage is operating because they're not in that arena with you, right? And I want to kind of preface all of this. I meant to do this at the beginning is that what I have noticed in my life, and I'll share some examples of where, you know, people have, I've definitely had many opportunities to, to grow thick skin by either critics or comments or betrayal or, or whatever it might be. Right. Um, when it comes to being criticized or questioned or kind of the offhand comments, they have never come from somebody that is in the arena with me and is slightly further along with than me, right? So in any aspect of life, whenever I've been criticized or judged or misunderstood, it's always been from somebody that knowingly or unknowingly like made the comment or judgment or whatever it might be, questioned or belittled, minimized, any of those things, whether they knowingly or unknowingly did it, 
It's never been from somebody that is further along than me in that aspect of life. And again, not from an elitist standpoint, but just from my path in which God wants me to be on for me personally. Anyone that has criticized where I'm at in any aspect of life has always been somebody that is not where I'm at yet, right? And or they just don't want to be. And so they have no interest and they don't put any effort into it, right? And I think that's important to understand and realize that that is where it's coming from. And again, sometimes it's coming from people that are just trying to figure, like legitimately trying to figure it out. There's no malice intent at all. Sometimes it's a subconscious justification for their own choices. Sometimes it is mean and malicious, right? But my point is, is it's never going to come from somebody that is more evolved in that aspect of life than you are in this moment. And so when it comes to relationships specifically, it's the same thing. Like you, you get to look at their, you know, marriage is hard. The enemy wants to pull apart families and he would love nothing more, especially to take believers and tear apart their marriages or their relationships. Right. And he will use the most unassuming things. So whether that's, you know, we've got society coming against us and what society tells us and or you might have a well, you know, meaning friend, but if they don't have the experience in that aspect, then they really don't have the reference. They're not in that arena with you to have the discernment, the judgment, the perception to be able to really, um, you know, be a mentor in that aspect of life for you, right? So when it comes to relationships or relational, and the same goes true with, um, you know, my one of my clients and friends has a uh, child that is uh, has a hard time regulating emotion, right? And we'll just leave it at that. And so it's all it is a, a challenge for her, and I can I can only begin to imagine, and I can listen, and I can empathize, but. I can't, I'm not in that arena, right? And so anybody and in anybody that is in contact with her, um, if they're not in that specific situation, they really don't get the, they don't have the right, so to speak, to, to speak into how she should or shouldn't do something or if she's handling something well or not well or whatever the case may be, right? We're our own worst critic. We've got enough um, back talk in our own lives, in our own minds. We don't need it from other people, right? And again, it could be unknowingly or knowingly and intentional or unintentional, but it's that reminder for as the recipient of what might feel harsh or criticism or, you know, minimizing your, your value, your worth or your effort or whatever it might be. If that person is not in the arena, they do, their opinion doesn't have, carry any weight, I hope that makes sense, right? I will tell you that God has an amazing way of putting people in your life that are in the in the same arena. I will tell you that this was, and I'm thinking specifically as like unique dynamics in terms of relationships and and um, whether it be parenting or or what have you. When I was uh, when I was going through my first, you know, the end of a very toxic. Um, marriage, relationship, the betrayal, all those things. Um, God placed in my life somebody that is still one of my closest friends today who was also, we have very unique ex-husbands <laughs> and their, you know, the, whatever they would be called today, like the, uh, you know, narcissist and 
uh, they, my therapist called it a crazy maker, right? They, they just have a very unique way of manipulation to where you feel like it's your fault and, and all, you can never do anything right and, and all these things. And somehow God connected us two women at the same time, at the same season. Our kids were about the same age. We were in almost the same stage of ending those relationships and processing through divorce. And we got to walk through that very difficult, hard season of life together, Right. And like I said, she's still one of my closest friends today. And thankfully, both of our exes have changed dramatically over the years. And well, to some extent. But anyway, my point is, is that God will give you that resource, especially if you just I wasn't asking God, probably like the Holy Spirit meets us where we're at. But if you don't see that person in your life right now, ask for it ask for him. He's done this now that I'm speaking this out loud. He has done this in so many aspects of my life. And ask for those relationships, ask for those friendships, ask for the like-minded people that are in that arena with you. And it is going to look different for each season. So I was thinking also of this, this client, you know, my, my clients become my friends as well, but, um, you know, who is in this unique situation in her parenting or her child's circumstance. And yet God has also put other moms in her life that have a very unique, but similar uh, experience in the same season, right? And, or maybe it's somebody that's further along in that season than you. So it's, if you don't feel like you have that, ask for it, pray for it. I can tell you even, I, I will tell you that for me to be where I am now in being able to say that I have a handful of really great, close friendships with women, I didn't have that 10 years ago. And I do believe it's because I intentionally asked God, I want to cultivate these relationships. I want to cultivate relationships with strong women. I want to have friendships that I know I can rely on and lean on and and connect with and be like-minded, right? And here I am today, of course, doing my part. And again, that could be a whole different conversation, but God provides whether you know what you need or you don't because the Holy Spirit's there to to as our intercessor but when you recognize a need or a want there's no detail that is too small for God and he finds a way to provide it for you. I will tell you that I do believe that we're each gifted with our strengths and our, our or what have you so it's probably not going to be like when you're when you're discerning the right people to be in that arena with you. If you're lucky, you'll find one person that understands all of your arenas, spiritually, relationally, physically, and in business, but it's more likely that you've got a friend or a couple of friends for one aspect or one arena or maybe two of the arenas, and then you know a friend or you know a spouse or, or whatever it might be um, for the other aspects, right? And that's okay. The only person that meets every need is God himself. The only person that meets every need is God himself. And to expect any human being to meet every need is unrealistic and you're setting yourself up for heartache, disappointment, and it actually does not align with God's word. God is the only source of every need. So the next one is physically. And this comes up with me quite a bit um, as well because I have been physically training my body for 20 years. And I'll give you this uh, real example of where how it started and how's it how it's how it's going, because I know a lot of you that do listen are on some sort of um, fitness track as well, or you want to be in a place where you're really optimizing your health and well being. 
And again, I just have to kind of caveat with um, there's so much more to it. It actually starts in our thoughts um, and our thoughts that we're focused on become our beliefs. Our beliefs then drive our choices. Our choices made consistently drive our habits, which then create our lifestyle, which is what I get to work with uh, my clients on now is focusing on recognizing the thoughts that are working against you or are not for your highest good, which a lot of times there's blind spots there because you've had those thoughts for so long, you don't even recognize them as a problem. And then also proactively building thoughts that empower. And then from there, we can work on simple nutrition strategies that are lifestyle based that make it a sustained, that end up being a sustained result in either optimizing health or yes, weight loss is usually part of it, but you can be at quote unquote, an ideal weight for your body and still not be healthy. You can also be, you know, 40, 75 pounds overweight and your blood work might show that it's healthy, but don't wait for that. It's just a ticking time bomb. You, we are called, especially as believers Uh, to honor God in both mind and body. That means that he is requiring, requesting, right, of us to be healthy in mind and body. And healthy, optimized health means that you are at an ideal weight for your body type, that you're not waiting for a bad report to actually do something about it. In fact, you we no longer have the luxury of course correcting with the latest virus. And I talk about that in one of the other episodes as well. Um, I forget the name of that episode, but like you can't afford to not be taking care of yourself, I think is the name of the episode. I'll put a note in the show or link in the show notes. Um, so that's not the point of this episode. I will tell you that when I first started out jumping into this new arena of health and fitness, it was over a season where I had, you know, God had also been working and I was a new believer about a year, year and a half and decide, realized that as, as great of a mom as I thought I was, right, and I was carrying extra weight and I didn't, same thing, I didn't have like bad blood work. I didn't have any bad reports or any of that. But you know when you just don't feel good. If you really take the time to get real with yourself, when you feel uncomfortable in your own skin, when you're tired all the time, when you wish that you had more energy for your kid, as great of a, as a mom you are or as a business owner, whatever it might be, if you aren't at your best, you cannot give your best. And that was the realization that God gave me first, you know, almost 20 years ago now, or actually, yeah, a little bit more than 20 years ago, Dante will be 23 in about a few months, a couple months, um, is that I knew I had more in me and he had more for me, but I needed to do my part. And that started with me getting fit and healthy in both mind, working on my emotional, my recognition of thoughts and my ability to take them captive and my ability to build thoughts that empowered based on his word, in addition to physical movement and nutrition, right? And so when I went through this process, for me, like the the bulk of the transformation was over an 18-month period about that. And in that time frame, I also was, you know, went from barely getting by financially to being in this corporate environment and really um, building my career. And thanks to the discipline and focus that was, it was happening in conjunction with me taking care of myself physically, leaning in spiritually and learning to manage the emotion. My career was taking off also. So I was in a, you know, fairly high profile position. Not that that matters, but my point is, is I was around a lot of people that saw like we'd have business lunches or, you know, dinners with clients, whatever it might be. And my habits changed in addition to my physical presence. So I went from being, 
you know, still being overweight to being super fit physically in their eyes and very lean. And I was, I didn't know at the time that I was going to end up doing figure competitions. I think I was actually out of corporate by the time I did my first show. But my point is, is my body was definitely prepared for that, very lean. And so they saw this huge physical transformation. In addition to that, I started ordering differently at lunch. I um, stopped drinking altogether. I had a wasn't I didn't drink very much after the birth of my son just because I never wanted to feel out of control in case like he never really had babysitters and even if it was just my mom staying with him I always felt like what if I get that call I need to be ready and so for me I wasn't drinking after that but when you just when you're in an environment where you used to drink or at least occasionally or have a drink or two to like no thank you I'm not drinking um you know people assume that you're an alcoholic or they have something to say or it's come on you can have one like party pooper that's no fun like all the comments right that's boring all the comments and or i remember specifically that ordering at one of our normal business lunches and my boss making a comment of you know when harry met sally and i guess i don't even remember that movie but i guess she was very specific in how she orders her food and of course at the time i just kind of laughed it off but i don't have that great of a memory to be honest and yet i remember these moments because they stood out and i can look at it in retrospect and see that those were peanut gallery comments because they weren't in that arena with me Right. And my boss was actually a really good guy. He wasn't trying to be mean or manipulative. He just thought it was funny. He actually was overweight. And so he, um, you know, whether it was him questioning his choices or whatever it was, right, it was different for him because it wasn't his way of being. He wasn't in that arena with me. Right. And uh, I can also remember that, you know, one of the women in that environment started a rumor about me being on steroids, right? It's easier to assume that I'm doing something to get that result versus just actually putting in the hard work, focus and discipline or getting comments about the fact that I was bringing my food. And at the time I was really regimented and eating every few hours. And thankfully I had, you know, my own office. So it was pretty easy for me to, to do that and accommodate that. But all of these shifts they saw and they didn't understand them, so they questioned them. And it was comments that came across as being minimized or belittled or made fun of or criticized, right? Hindsight, I can look back, and like I said, it was simply because, multiple reasons, depending on, like, I, I truly, it would be me assuming thought bubbles over people's heads to really know what their thought was or why they were doing or saying the things, and it really doesn't matter. But it's the understanding to have empathy for other people that they really are either just trying to figure it out or they're fighting their own battles and or they're questioning their value, their worth. And so it's easier to like be kind of flippant about your growth, about the success that they actually see in you or the transformation that they see in you. Right. And even to this day, um, I, I, don't get like back then my feelings were hurt. Obviously that's one of the reasons why I remember those instances today. It doesn't hurt my feelings. I do still need to work on not getting kind of irritated sometimes by some of the comments. Um, you know, when I, I go in and on my stages too, as to how lean I am when I'm leaner, I can tell because I get comments more frequently, like running into a gas station and someone making the comment of like, Oh, you work out or you go into a workout, you come in from a workout. Like it's just like, Ugh. And I know that they're just trying to like have something to say or whatever. I had a circumstance a few weeks back where a guy uh, actually behind the counter actually said something about working out because I was getting a bang and then made the comment about flexing. 
And in that moment, I did not have grace or understanding or compassion. I'm just calling myself out so that you know that I'm not perfect either. And I actually made the comment back that that is the worst question you can ask a female. And I didn't even look up at him, didn't acknowledge or anything. And I just, I mean, I wasn't, I just said it very plain. It was a legitimate thought that came out. So it also was not my intention to necessarily be mean or cut him off or, or whatever, but it just, it, it happened and I'm not proud of it. Um, I thought about it afterwards and prayed and like, uh, felt bad. Um, my point is, is that I can look at that and see that they just don't get it. They're not in the arena. They're not understanding. And in the last 12 years of coaching other women, it is common for if you're the first person in your friend group or you're married and your spouse might not understand it, right? It's the same set of circumstances. They're not ready to, like in a case of a spouse or even a, a close friend group, they might not be ready to change. You might hear the comments of, that's so boring, or you're doing that again, and or maybe they remind you of how many times you failed in the past, right? But remembering that they're doing the best they can, it's always, it's for our highest good that we assume that they are doing the best they can with the tools and the mindset that they have in that moment. It doesn't make us good or better. It just means that that's where they're at and it's their journey. It's not about you. Their comments are actually in a reflection of what is going on with them in that moment, in that season. And they, so sometimes, and it's, this just happened again in the last couple of weeks in a conversation with somebody that I know he meant well, and I know that he's just genuinely curious and genuinely trying to figure it out, um, in terms of like why my body is the way it is. And it's because I have specifically worked on body composition for, you know, 20 years. It doesn't just happen overnight. Um, but like there were some comments about, you know, women using steroids and, or, um, you know, but this, these women, like it, it was meant to be a compliment towards me, but I will never, um, allow women to be taken down. Right. So the, the conversation back, because I have better perspective now and a better understanding was simply agree to disagree. Right. I think it's easier for some people to assume that there's something unnaturally being done instead of understanding the amount of work, focus and effort required to build um, you know, certain physiques and, or even the, the want to, right. As a female coach, I 100% get and understand not every woman wants to do what I've done or look the way I do. Cause I tend to carry more muscle and I am leaner, right. You just want to feel good in your clothes and love, be able to go into your closet and grab whatever and feel confident in it. Right. Not feeling like you're, you're struggling to get into a pair of jeans and, and those kinds of things. Like that is the highest priority for most women is to feel good and feel comfortable and feel sexy and all those things. Right. And I totally get that. And my point is, is that again, I get to look at even that most recent conversation with it's okay. He just doesn't understand it. Right. We can agree to disagree. He's not in the same arena. He doesn't have the same perspective. He doesn't have the same battle tools, battle plan, whatever analogies you want to use. He's up in the stands. He's in the peanut gallery. He doesn't get it right? And that's okay. It's not a bad thing. It just is, right? It's not right or wrong. There's no judgment on it. And I will tell you that this is, so now let me talk about business too, for those that are entrepreneurs and, or I love what Andy Frazella talks about. Um, you could be an entrepreneur, which means that you have a high level of work ethic, dedication, drive, but you're working for somebody else, right? You get the security of the paycheck, 
well, hopefully it's a security for you. I don't want to undermine sometimes even that feels insecure um, when you're in those environments. But um, there, you can either be that entrepreneur and you're working for somebody or you're that entrepreneur, right? Where entrepreneurs are, it, and let me tell you, Andy Frizzella talked about this most recently on his podcast. And I have to agree that entrepreneurship is not for everybody. Like just because it seems like the cool thing right now, you really want to use wisdom and discernment to decide whether or not you have the right personality and it's not, again, I don't mean that in an elitist way. It's not right or wrong. It's just what were you called to do? What is your unique and greatest purpose? For some people, and every there's not one that is better than the other. We God creates us to work in collaboration with each other. And in collaboration as a society, we all have roles to play. And those, like, we can't function without each role. So whatever that is in whatever you're called to be, it's super important that you discern what that is for the right reasons, right? It might be that you're in a season of being focused as a mom. It might be that you're in a season of maybe you're still, or you went back to school and you're in your master's program and you are working in a nine to five, so to speak, which is never nine to five, but right, you're, you are working that you're helping somebody else build their business, but maybe you do at some point want to do your own business, but Maybe you are meant to be a career of helping other people build their vision, their mission, their drive, and that is just as valid and just as needed. When we are truly focused on becoming the next, excuse me, next best version of ourselves in whatever our business is, right, whatever our way of doing is, um, whether that's being a janitor, being a mom, being a CEO of somebody else's company or running your own business, when you're created of being your best, we are called to do our work as if we are doing it onto the Lord, right? We are called to be set apart. And so when we take that to heart and we apply it, right? And I talk about different principles of like extreme ownership and time structure and all of those things it is going to look uncommon. It is going to look very different than most people. And people like, and it's, it's, a com, it's an uncomfortable play, uh, way to live because we're constantly choosing to stretch ourselves, push our boundaries, grow, right? And most people don't want to do that because they don't want to experience the discomfort. And so their own... And we're all wired. Our brains are naturally wired. And again, I don't want to go too far off on a tangent because this is going more into like why we do the things that we do, but our brain is wired for comfort. And so even if discomfort and chaos is has been your norm, right? The type of discomfort that is because of chaos, because of an unhealthy habit or an unhealthy circumstance your mind is familiar with that type of chaos. So it's going to continually try and pull you back. Not only that, but if you are not self-aware, then you will try to pull other people into your level of comfort, right? Because you want to like grab them and pull them back to the safety and security. One of my original mentors gave this analogy of a crab bucket and he explained it as a story that he was out in, I think, Australia, and they were on the wharf of a fisherman's what have you. And he's kind of like just was popping off and told the fisherman, hey, your crab is getting out. Like it was just an open-ended bucket or open-top bucket. And the fisherman said, no, just watch. 
And sure enough, the other crabs, as the one crab was trying to grab out, the other crabs started pulling up and pulling them down, right? And his analogy, that other mentor was, be careful of the crabs in your life, right? When you're trying to do better than where you're at, people are naturally going to try and pull you back into their safety, their comfort, their familiar, their known, right? And this happens a lot in any aspect of life that we've talked about, but it's also true in business. It's also true in entrepreneurship because we have, it. I will tell you, and again, remember that the people that are going to criticize your way of being look at where they're at in their journey. I have not had somebody in any one of these aspects or any, you know, avenue of criticism has never come from somebody that is further along in their path than I am, right? And when it comes to business, we tend to have very big visions. We tend to have uh, very structured routines. We value time over anything else. And so we might be very disciplined, protective of our time, or maybe it's your what time you go to bed, right? Maybe you go to bed earlier than most people because you're up earlier. And again, it's not a right or wrong. It's whatever works for you. Some people are wired to work late. I personally am wired to, like, I'm better in the morning. So my bedtime has been early, and it, it does change in some seasons. I always try and caveat so I don't sound like a hypocrite. It does change in some seasons, but for example, for a season – it was eight o'clock as I was testing that and working that routine. And then I was up at, you know, 4 a.m., right? And so my eight o'clock bedtime sometimes didn't align with social situations and or somebody would have something to say about it and or whatever. It's the weekend. What difference does it make, right? But there is, for me, there is importance in keeping the same sleep schedule. So I try to do that regardless of the day of week, right? Um, and or, you know, now it's more like nine o'clock, right? And I'm up early and or now I value more sleep. Like, But it's because I'm very intentional about how I'm treating my body and the amount of sleep I'm getting, the quality sleep I'm getting. I have these regiments and these principles that to me are not abnormal at all, right? But I understand and I can empathize that to people that aren't at that space, um, it is abnormal. It might be weird. It might be uncommon and that's okay. Right. And I will tell you that on this principle of, um, time structures and routines, um, look at those that are ahead of you, right? Those that are in the arena, they, we get to in any aspect of life actually, but, Look for the people that are in the fight with you. Look for people that maybe have conquered more. If we go back to the analogy of the arena, they've conquered more. They're further along than you in that aspect of life, right? Look to them, invest in mentors, invest if, before if you don't have, I will tell you that I've always stretched to invest in mentors and coaches and it's always been 100% worth it. You do have to be mindful of the, the mentor or the coach that you're investing in, but I've always learned something. Even when, you know, I've had one or two coaches over the course of, you know, the last 12 years, I was like, eh, right? But I can always look at, I learned something. I moved something. I grew somehow, Right. Um, and most of them have been amazing and I've grown by leaps and bounds based because I chose to use their plan, trust their process, and then execute their process. When we do that and we invest in the right coaches, it actually saves you time and money and effort and in, um, uh, energy. 
and it propels you further along on your path and journey than you would had you kept trying to do it by yourself, right? Having said that, when you going, the reason I said that is because going back and looking at, you get to look around who is in that arena. And those that are further along than you, they get to have that voice that matters in addition to God's word. And I do believe God uses those people and he'll place those people in your life, whether it be in friendships or peer groups or mom groups, if your season is a mom or um, life coaches or marriage, whatever aspect that you need, he gives us those tools and resources. He puts them in front of us and we get to choose what to do with them, right? We get to choose whether or not we acknowledge them and can be humbled enough to say they know something I don't yet know yet, or I, excuse me, I don't know yet. And by aligning with them, I know that I'm going to progress in my path. I'm going to progress in my journey. And then you have to allow, that's what being coachable is all about, is that once you've made the decision that they are the right person, that they are in the arena with you, then you need to allow their words of wisdom. You need to allow them to speak truth through love, right? You need to allow the 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 feedback and the the correction, if you will. Most coaches aren't like you don't see it as correction, but like the re-steering or um, re-navigating right from them because that's why you're choosing to align yourself with them. And then in the arena, there might be people, and this is important too, you want to have people that are kind of the same stage as you and they're trying to figure it out just as much as you're trying to figure it out. And it's not, when it comes to the peanut gallery, it's not that like, unless it's somebody that's unhealthy and toxic, you don't avoid them, right? You don't not spend time with them ever or anything like that. This is just an analogy for you to understand what to take in and what to invalidate, what to recognize as that's not for me, right? They can speak it all they want. That's not for me, right? Um, and may, if that person, going back to if they are in the stands, if they are in the peanut gallery, if they are healthy and they are well-meaning and all those things, at some point in time, if they choose to reach out, right? You can't lean back and be grabbing somebody like it's like the lifeguard trying to save a victim from drowning, right? A lot of times they have to, like it's a really dangerous situation because if somebody is in panic, then they pull the lifeguard with them and they both can drown, right? So it's a dangerous situation. So you don't want to look for somebody that doesn't want to be saved or not that you're their savior, but doesn't want to be helped, right? But the people in your life that are loving, that are well-meaning, when they are ready to maybe it's progress in their health or progress in their business or they're, you're married and they're dating, right? If they're coming to you, then you, you get to speak truth into their life, right? So we get to um, be mindful of who is not in the arena also for various reasons, whether it's to dismiss them if they're toxic or, you know, d- irrelevant, or maybe it's somebody that is like watching with the anticipation and cheering you on. And those are the people that, again, they won't know what they don't know. So they don't get to have that much weight in their voice and their opinion over your situation, your circumstance in that aspect of life. But that doesn't mean that they're not, you know, again, I can think of it being different arenas. Maybe they're a spectator in your business arena, but they're right there in in it with you when it comes to your spiritual arena, right? I hope that that makes sense. I hope that this episode was helpful for you. The takeaway and the reminder is that 
when we are doing our part to become the next best version of ourselves, when we're in collaboration with God to continually be evolving as women and in the path that he has for us of our unique and greatest purpose, there will be resistance. There will be critics. There will be people sitting in the stands and we get to continually focus first and foremost on him. And then from there, he will place people in our lives that are in the arena with us. Maybe they're further along. Maybe they're walking alongside of us. And we get to use that with wisdom and discernment while also having empathy for those that aren't in the arena so that we can love them as God loves them, regardless of their words or their actions or whatever it might be. Um, but then also not take it in personally and keep us from continually getting up every single day and quote unquote fighting the good fight, right? So I hope that that was helpful for you. I would love to hear from you as always. You can email me at Rebecca at RebeccaTabbert.com. And of course, if you are a uh, female Christian leader and you're all leaders, but if you are a woman of faith and you would love to really focus on optimizing your health and mind and body in the 2022 year, do not wait. Please take action now. You can reach out to me and set up a free strategy call. I have a few openings over the next couple of weeks, um, specifically talking about how do we design a effective plan for you to optimize health and well-being mentally and physically as you start the new year. Um, the next small cohort of Kingdom Fit Academy, which does exactly what we've been talking about to some extent when we talk about focusing on, um, you know, quote unquote, mindset is the secular term, but we focus on it, being able to identify the thoughts that disempower you, identifying the thoughts that are going to empower you and building them based on God's word while also teaching simple nutrition protocols that make it lifestyle based without deprivation so that you can create the sustainable physical results, but also experience greater confidence, joy, connection to peace and purpose on a daily basis. Yes, it really does. Um, I'm super honored to be able to work with women through this. One of my um, most recent comments just yesterday was that, that working with me and working within Kingdom Fit Academy program has been life-changing, priceless, is a quote direct from one of my current clients, Chris. So I am super thankful to have the opportunity to talk with you and determine whether or not that's a good fit for you. You can also pick up the free masterclass that's still up and available for you at RebeccaTabbert.com forward slash Kingdom Fit Masterclass, but I will put a link to that in the show notes as well. And as always, if this has been helpful for you, I would love your help in return if I may ask that of you, and that would just be by sharing this with another woman who would be helped by it and leaving a review. And when you do that, it spreads the word and puts it in front of people that you might not even know. There's someone there is a woman that needs to hear this message that you do not even know. But by leaving a review, you tell the algorithms to be to continue to spread this and put this in front of people. And so you are helping me help them. Love you so much. And I am confident that you will enjoy a amazing start to our 2022 year. Bye for now.